Ladies and gentlemen, rev up your engines and get ready for the deal of a lifetime. Jim K. Ford is proud to announce the 2023 Ford F-150 clear-out sale, the event you've been waiting for. For a limited time only, Jim K. Ford is offering unbeatable discounts, jaw-dropping financing options, and mind-blowing trade-in deals. Don't miss out on the 2023 Ford F-150 clear-out sale at Jim K. Ford, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans, or jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. It is Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. And coming up today, the Sends have won two straight. Kalu Calais, the six-game losing slide is over. The Sends have won two straight and uh, the best kind of victory, a victory in Toronto in front of a national TV audience. Leafs blowing a 2-0 lead. Oh, inject that into my veins, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk about that. Drake Batherson has turned his fortunes around. There were certainly some critics that were aiming fire at Drake Batherson in the last year or so, but uh, I don't know if those critics are very loud these days. We'll also talk about an interesting comment Jeff O'Neill had on TSN Radio suggesting that Tim Stutzla does not belong at the center ice position, should be a winger. And we'll get to that and a whole lot more coming up here on the program. Greg, how are you today? Happy holidays. And and happy holidays to you too, Steve. I'm very good. Thanks. It's my standard Christmas time procedure here. I'm hunkered down. I loaded up on the Pepsi, a fresh carton of smokes before Christmas. You know, I'm all ready. And I'm in here just uh, pounding through uh, various assorted TV shows on my, uh, what what do we call that? I'm binge watching. Binge watching. That's what I'm doing. I'm into Fargo now. The, The latest season of Fargo is out. Oh, yeah. Very good. I, I've never yeah. gotten into I mean, I saw the movie, of course, that uh, all yeah. the series are based on, but uh, I found the wood chipper and all that, but I've never actually watched Fargo, the TV series. My wife loves it, um, and she's a big, uh, what's his name, uh, William Macy, is that his name? Oh, got to love William H. Macy. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's why she loves Shameless as well, I think, uh, oh, which yeah. is also yep. a, apparently a great show as well, but uh, so it's all about Fargo and the holidays for Greg Kennedy. Okay. Well, so far, you. yeah, that's what I've been watching. Yeah. And, and Hey, I nice. found twilight. So the twilight zone is on paramount plus Steve. So I've been oh, knocking it like, yeah, like 10 or 12 of those a day. They're half hours. You know, you got to love watching the twilight zone. I find I've, I've really only come across three or four so far that I, that I haven't seen before, <laughs> which is, which is a rarity. Everyone, oh, Hey, I've never seen this one, but I love watching those two. The old, the old Twilight Zones are always good. Okay, so it's it's the old sixties because I know that oh, Jordan yeah. Peele, Jordan Peele from Key and Peele fame, has brought back the Twilight Zone. I don't know how long it lasted, but I saw a few shows and it's pretty good. But uh, I don't know; it just doesn't have the same thing without the Rod Serling effect at the beginning. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we should get into the show. We've uh, gone on long enough about our TV habits. The Senators with a nice victory. They were down two nothing early on. They looked awful in Toronto. Looked like uh, I don't know they had. Sweat, sweating Christmas gravy or something in the early going, um, still on their holiday break. They fall behind 2 nothing in the first six minutes, but then slowly, remember the midway point of the game, uh, they get a Parker Kelly shorthanded goal, beautiful pass from Claude Giroux, then a couple of goals from Drake Batherson, and they end up winning 4-2, to two, four unanswered goals. Fairly impressive the way they came back in that game, but for my money, I know a lot of people are excited about it, giving a lot of credit to Jonas Corposalo, and he deserves some. But to me, that game looked like 
what DJ Smith was always pining for at the end of losses, close losses. Oh, he get, didn't get any bounces tonight. They got bounces in a big way in the game in Toronto. They did, and they, but they did get some big saves too. Steve Corpusalo deserves some credit. But I, I thought it's it's sort of one of those games where the, the Senators are famous for certain big big events happening in the middle of a game where. You know, they either need a goal now or they need to shut them down. And it just, you know, they're, they're, they're at two nothing and they really need to get the next goal or, you know, they're up by a goal and they get a power play and they really need to score this power play. And they usually fail. <laughs> this right, game right. was different. You know, they had the poor start. I'd like to think it's the Jacques Martin preaching patience that allowed them to stay in the game, even though they played terribly. Get into the second period, they're still not getting all that many chances, but they didn't give up the third goal. And then you're down two nothing in the second period. The Leafs get a power play, and like you got to have a kill here, boys. And not only do they get the kill, they get the Parker Kelly goal. And I thought that really turned the game around. That was the the TSN turning point right there. Was the shorty by Parker Kelly that turned everything around and and uh and the comeback was on from there i thought they they, they looked good one of those games where you know you, you play that well you're gonna win the most nights and they did for the most part for at least two-thirds of the game they played well enough to win and they did win yep corpusello had 34 saves in the game batherson with the tying goal which was some good fortune i mean it was a pretty harmless shot from tim stutzel down the left wing that jones is sort of kicked out right to batherson at an open cage to put it in so the game is tied at that stage. And the the play I think everybody's talking about was the third goal, which ended up standing up as the winner. To me, it brought back memories of the 2017 playoff Senators against the Rangers. You get Eric Carlson down below the goal line, flings it at the net, and somehow it goes in off of Henrik Lundqvist's shoulder and in. It was almost the same spot. Batherson's probably a little closer, but he's down below the goal line in the corner and takes uh, almost a half slapper that goes in off Martin Jones' shoulder. It delays for a second and then plunk just over the goal line, and that ends up being your game winner. I don't know if you encourage that kind of shot selection, (laughs) but it certainly was a welcome bit of luck for the Sens on that play. Well, we've seen him do it before, Steve. We've seen him attempt it numerous times, and I can think of at least one other time when he scored off that play. He has been successful with it. He wasn't just firing it willy-nilly and hoping. He was... He was aiming for Jones's head. There was no doubt about it. He was he, he was successful in doing exactly what he was attempting to do. And I thought it was pretty cool to see. And I was a little disappointed, actually, with the coverage on the television there. I thought they would have pulled up the footage of the last time he did it to say, you know, this isn't a fluke. This guy's done this before. Uh, well, we, we can get into discussing the whole TV coverage. Are we going to do that, Steve? Are we going to talk about that? But uh, I, I, I thought it was he did it on purpose and it worked and he's done it before. Yeah, I mean, it, of course it was on purpose. I mean, other, otherwise he's trying to put it up in the stands on the far side. There's no doubt about that. Um, so, I mean, good for him. But, uh, I mean, he even admitted, you know, it was lucky that it went in there. But sometimes, you know, you don't have anybody to pass to. You're in a bad spot. So rather than, you know, just, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and Jacques Martin apparently talked to him about things. Uh, Batherson spoke about that to the Hockey News Ottawa which I tend to give a plug to now and then is the site editor, THN.com slash Ottawa, if you want to read about that. But uh, Jacques Martin, basically, when he came back to the bench, he uh, after Batherson had just, you know, hit one in the geographic center of the uh, opposing goalie's crest, Martin takes him aside and says, listen, just rip it. Just stop thinking, rip it, trust your shot, 
And uh, sure enough, not that long after that, I'm not sure it was the same game in Toronto, but that conversation happened not that long ago. And sure enough, he decides to rip it and, and he gets a break. And, and uh, Batherson, man, what a turnaround. Mm-hmm. Like the critics were on this guy to the stage of, you know, that guy is a you know defensive liability. That guy is just not scoring enough. He doesn't seem to have the effort required. And it's funny how when pucks start going in and points start piling up. And by the way, he's also got that plus minus under check. Last year, minus 35. This year, he's plus one. So he's the second leading scorer on the Ottawa Senators. And so I think um, there's a reason we haven't heard from the uh, Batherson critics much of late. Yeah, and here's a guy who started the year uh, seven games, I think, without a without a point, or was it seven games without a goal to open yeah. the season? He didn't start well. His plus minus was not good. I think the criticism of his defensive play is probably justified, but it's gotten better. And and now that Jacques Martin is here, it will only get better. He, a lot of these players are going to become much better all around hockey players. Now that you've got Jacques Martin here in town, and I look forward to seeing it. And the Drake is one of those guys. I mean. You know, he's, he, maybe he doesn't become fully a Marion Osa, but he can certainly become that type of player, one that can be trusted in all three zones, one that can kill penalties, play the power play, play five on five, rack up the points. This is a this is a guy who can really be something, and the contract is glorious as far as uh, oh, yeah. his paycheck goes and the salary cap. Like he's a guy you want to be uh, hot. He's a guy you want to be playing well, and if he can be a point a game player. Uh, hey, it, it just it's it's all the more better for the Sens down the road. Yeah, glorious. The Ottawa Senators have signed Drake Batherson to a glorious contract. That's exactly what it ends up being. It's a it's an amazing contract. Uh, you get that guy for under five million dollars a year. It's it's bananas. But uh, you know, sometimes players acknowledge. You know, um, how much money do you need in this world? And uh, and he's happy with the organization. Uh, there's probably a little bit of them that sees Stutzla getting paid and Norris getting paid and Sanderson getting paid. He's probably a little bit going to, but at the end of the day, you're 25 years old, making $5 million a year and you're having the time of your life. There'll be money waiting for him. And uh, I don't know that contract ends in uh, was it three or four years, something like that. I don't know exactly what it is, but um, he'll get another opportunity, another kick at the can as an established scorer in the NHL. Um, but I want to also mention another thing about um, Batherson talking about the coaching staff now. And as we've mentioned in previous episodes, we shouldn't turn this into a, oh, he likes the new coaching staff and describes it this way. That's not necessarily an indictment of the old coaching staff. It can be, but we shouldn't jump to those conclusions. I thought this was an interesting quote here that I've got in front of me. I've got my horrible reading glasses um, that may, in fact, be women's glasses. Um, but moving on. Um, but he said a lot of teaching when asked about Jacques Martin, the staff and Daniel Alfredson, if I come to the bench and I did something wrong, they're showing me. And then it's glued in my mind after that, that might be one of those ones, despite what I just said, where I say, okay, maybe that is something on DJ Smith, because I've seen on a number of occasions in games, conversations happening. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Capuano's talking to them all the time. I see that. But I didn't see DJ Smith having on-bench conversations with players when they come off the ice. And to me, that's an important thing to do, not to do it 15, 20 minutes from now in the intermission. Like, you want it while it's fresh. 
because they're going to go have four or five more shifts maybe before the intermission, and the player might not even have a clue what the hell you're talking about anymore. I think it's important to have that conversation in the heat of action. What do you think? Well, it's what's known as a teachable moment, Steve, and they come up in right. games, and that's the that's the time right then and there to make the point. Give the guy a couple 10, 15 seconds to catch his breath and then be whispering in his ear. The teachable moments are there. And I, I, I agree with you. Jack Capuano does seem to be one who speaks to the players. I've seen him a lot with his D guys. I don't know what I saw Davis Payne do a lot of talking with forwards either. And we've often spoken about forwards in the defensive zone being lost and looking like they have no clue what they're doing. We see some mix-ups on on switching off and, and finding your assignments and where to go and what to do. And these are teachable moments and opportunities for guys to get in your ear and it doesn't have to be negative. I doubt anything that's being said to these guys right now is ever negative. Uh, there's a positive little, or even if it's about a negative thing, it's said in a positive manner. And uh, it, it's good for the players. It's good for the coaching staff. It's nice to see. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. This might be one of those times where, yes, I am complimenting the new coach. And at the same time, it's a backhanded. No, it's more of a forehand. It's a forehanded shot at the old guy that it wasn't something that was there before. Yeah, and of course that exists. Otherwise, DJ Smith would have a job. Obviously, Jacques Martin was brought in for a reason. And uh, it's just that not everything that players say that they like about the new coach indicates that there was an absence of that virtue in the old coaching staff. Now, I want to talk to you about Shane Pinto's return next month. Shane Pinto is now at the 30-game mark as of now. So he's 11 games away from returning to the Ottawa Senators lineup after the violation of the gambling rules of the NHL. So 11 games from now, the Sens take on the Winnipeg Jets. I personally think you throw him right in there, although I've heard conversation about he's going to need some time and all that. I would personally put him right back in there ASAP uh, because he seemed like a player that is on the precipice of a breakout type season. In the context of that, I guess it's about 10 days ago now, Jeff O'Neill, the former NHLer, very good on TSN radio and TSN television. Um, never afraid to speak his mind. Obviously a not knowledgeable hockey guy. A good, good long career in the NHL. He was really adamant that the Senators make what would be a fairly seismic shift in their roster involving Tim Stutzla. Let me play the clip for you. This is from TSN 1050, like I say, about 10 days ago. The second thing is Tim Stutzlip, put him on right wing. He's not a centerman. I do not think that that kid's a centerman. If you look at the way he plays, I think he's a Pavel Bure type player. The way he skates, the way he wants to operate. I don't see him as a guy that wants to dig in the corners and do center iceman work. So when that Pinto comes back, put him at center ice and put the kid on right wing. What say you about Jeff O'Neill's comments? And again, they're courtesy of TSN 1050. Does Tim Stutzla belong at center or would you think he'd be better off like a Pavel Bure type out on the wing? I see the point. Uh, his, his speed says he can, uh, he can fly up and down the wing. Um, I, I think his playmaking skill at this point in his career, I think a lot of his playmaking skill is based more on the last decision rather than the first decision. He's a, he's a, he's not a pass first guy he's a i'm going to dangle this guy and then maybe try to get a shot on net 
or I'm going to shoot, or I'm going to, like, it's always the dangle or the shot comes before the pass. So in that sense, he's not exactly a playmaker or centerman. Defensively, though, he's gotten so much better. He has such a quick stick in the D zone. Um, and when he's down low, down deep in the zone, you see him stealing pucks off guys. So I don't think that is as much a deficit as it used to be. His biggest deficit at center to me is in the faceoff circle. He's simply not, uh, is it upper str- upper body strength? I mean, you, you, well, actually, you need lower body strength to win draws too. Is it speed? Is it tactical? Is it something technically that he's, that's off? He's just not good enough in the faceoff circle at this point in time. So when does Pinto does come back, you've got Greg there now. I always thought it'd be Greg who's going to move to the wing, but uh, maybe it is a Stutzla. I, I don't think I'd be doing it yet. I think I'd be hanging on and leaving him down the middle for now. But uh, what, what are you thinking? Well, yeah, I mean, I think you can't argue with the results right now. I mean, he does have his moments that are, you know, not calamitous, but he does have his moments where I say, man, he falls a lot. Um, or maybe he's not in the lane that I expect a center iceman to be in D zone coverage. Still a little bit of that kid in him. I think Jacques Martin is going to work with him on that. And I think if you can't figure out the center ice position um, at a real elite level under the likes of Jacques Martin, then maybe I buy into Jeff Neal's argument. I still think it's very early in the game to write him off as a center. Um, because I do think that he does so many great things with the puck that gets them, you know, you almost take for granted the skill level that guy has with the puck that if the, you know, if the defend the defenseman runs into the corner and, and he's down low, kind of filling in the gap between the battle for the puck and the net, the puck squirts out to him and you see some of the sneaky little plays he makes to, to get the puck out of the zone. Um, that, that's a real asset. The guy is so skilled that uh, I want to see if that, I want to see if that works out. I'm not 100% on him uh, at center long term, but I certainly think that uh, any glitches that we've seen to this stage will be ironed out by Jacques Martin because that's that's his MO, the details of the game. We've said it a million times, and there still, I think, are a few details of the game, including the face-offs, that, uh, that Stutzler needs to work on to be truly considered um, you know, a, an elite, a truly elite center. Uh, I think he's an elite player in the game, but the center ice position is so crucial on the D side of things. So I measure it, you know, against a guy like Patrice Bergeron, a guy who puts up points, a guy who's elite defensively. If you're the number one center on a Stanley Cup contender, you have to be better defensively right now than Tim Stutzla is. And I think he'll get there. Yeah, and it's coming. It's coming along. I think I'm looking at the lineup when Pinto comes back. I'm not sure if Joseph's going to be back by then or not. They're saying three thinking- weeks at least. Okay, and and that's Pinto time frame as well. Twenty fourth, I think it is. Twentieth, right. twentieth. Okay, so you you keep Norris with Kachuk and and Giroux. Um, you keep uh, Tarasenko, Batherson, and Stutzla together. That gives you a third line of Pinto, Joseph, and uh, is it Kubalik? And that I gives you so. a fourth. Yeah, right. And that gives you a fourth line of of Greg and Kastelik and. Kelly, I, that's okay Ooh, I don't with know. me. I'm 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 really enjoying Crookshank's game. Okay, so Crookshank, anybody, but but I think Greg and Kastelik and somebody is your fourth right. line, right? Yeah, but that you, like your that. third line becomes Pinto, Joseph, Kubalik. That, that's that's okay. I just think that uh, I I I don't see Shane Pinto being a top six guy at this point in his career. 
So I don't think he's the guy you're going to move up there just so that you can get uh, Stutzla out of the middle and onto the wing. I I, I don't see right. that. I think I think it's a Gregor Kastelik move to the wing on a lower line rather than moving Stutzla on an upper line. All right, let's take a timeout on the program. Boy, it'll be interesting from a cap perspective. You get Shabbat coming back in, so not on LTIR anymore. Uh, you still have Joseph, I guess you could put on long-term injured reserve, but you got to sign Shane Pinto. Um, it's going to get interesting, you know, uh, when you figure all this out. Because I think Shane Pinto is going to be north of two million dollars, and I don't think that'll be enough. So no. they may before all. Go ahead. No, he will, no, he'll he'll sign for about nine hundred thousand. They got him oh. over a barrel now, Steve. They they got him over a barrel now. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose uh, he doesn't have a uh, doesn't have too much leverage at this moment. I think in, in, I think I think if all things were equal and the old gambling thing didn't happen, I think uh, he could press for that. But uh, now, yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, that's well, yeah. Weird. Imagine if he was just a holdout early uh, from the part of the the start they got off to. Like by about game ten, they were ready. They would have made a deal and signed him. Then okay, okay, we'll sign. We give up. We give up. But because the suspension happens and he sits around doing nothing, I think they got him over a barrel now. And, and the play of Greg certainly helps too. Uh, yeah. I, I think they're okay. Anyway, you were going to go to a break. I'm sorry. Well, I, I don't. Th- I don't think they're okay still. I mean, because I mean, Joe. If Joseph is getting back, Pinto is being resigned. Shabbat will long be back in the lineup by then. Although he's been so injury prone this year, who knows? Like that's. Somebody's still got to go. Eight million, three million, a million. I'm going to say a million. I don't care. Um, yeah, that's that's a lot of money to inject back in without any long-term injured relief uh, coming. So yeah, somebody will probably have to go between now and January 20th. It will be interesting to see who that is. When we come back on the show, it will be interesting to see what the Ottawa Senators' playoff chances are. They're on a two-game heater, uh, so I'm going to try and <laughs> going to try and slide in each and every show. To kind of keep that, maybe it's a pipe dream, but keep the dream alive. I'll give you exactly, and we've got a special wheel of fortune to 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 give you the stat. What is the Ottawa Senators' playoff chances by percentage? That's coming up after these words. Attention truck enthusiasts, are you ready to experience the power, performance, and innovation of a legendary vehicle? Look no further than the 2023 Ford F-150 at Jim K. Ford. We have incredible deals and financing options tailored just for you. Visit Jim K. Ford today and experience the thrill of driving the best-selling truck in Canada, the 2023 Ford F-150. Visit us at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or at JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! Welcome back to the show. Where will it land? Where will it land? Twelve percent. It went up after the win in Toronto. It went up a full four percent to twelve percent. So congratulations to the Ottawa Senators, a step closer to the playoffs. Um, So we'll do that over the course because it's so much. I mean, was there goosebumps, Greg? Was there goosebumps right there? Well, was that the Wheel of Fortune or was that the Showcase Showdown? The- that was, I think, a random sound effect that I stole off the internet. Oh, so okay. I don't think I, I don't think it was tied to anything in particular. <laughs> so uh, congratulations, the uh, Senators with 12%. their thirteen. No, that's, that's, you get up over twenty five. We'll talk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I should uh, I should give credit to SportsClubStats.com. Uh, you can follow what your favorite team is pretty much in any sport, by the way, uh, at that website. So that's what we'll use 
for our stats. It's actually 12.7 for the Sens after going up 4.8 after the 4-2 wow. win over Toronto on Wednesday night. And, what are your Packers uh, at? Oh, <laughs> not it's not. I mean, they got a win. They barely beat the one of the worst teams in football, the Carolina Panthers. Um, it's not going to happen. It's amazing to me that, you know, with a couple of weeks left on this, two weeks left in the season, I think, two or three. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's this late in the season with a, you know, a below 500 record. They're still not mathematically eliminated at this stage. I don't even know who your NFL team is. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm one of that guy. I, I switched teams within the division a long time ago. I, that's gotcha. really not, that's frowned upon. I, I grew up a Dolphins fan and I became a Brady Belichick guy and switched to the Pats. And then, uh, since they suck now, I don't really have an NFL team. Right. Okay. Uh, I was, I was briefly a pack fan when they had the magic man, briefly a pack. Oh yeah. Fan Don Mikowski. Yeah. Yeah. For a little while. I, I, I did like your pack, but no, I'm not, yep. I'm not a big enough NFL fan to really say that I have a favorite team, I guess. My late father uh, basically brainwashed me as he's a Saskatchewan guy. That yes. uh, was a Saskatchewan guy an Indian head Saskatchewan and brainwashed me to be a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan through most of my formative years. I watched them win the gray cup propped up on pillows because I couldn't support my own head basically because I was just a baby. And uh, he and I watched Saskatchewan Rough Riders forever. And by the time it came around where my buddies were starting to watch the NFL, I decided okay, I got to pick a team here. And I said, well, that team is green like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So when people hear me talking about the Green Bay Packers, they they assume there must be some romantic story, some uh, some really interesting reason. You know, my, my dad was an assistant coach with the Packers or something or some interesting story there's no interesting story which makes you wonder why i'm bringing it up on the podcast right now but anyway <laughs> well um, most people we become fans of a team for one of three reasons it's mm-hmm. genetics your dad told you or it's they're the current champion let's face it how many of us as young kids i i, I was solely an edmonton eskimo fan as a kid because they were winning all the time and the right. third one was is, is well, that's a cool name or those are cool colors right that was that was it those those are basically yeah. the three reasons you become a fan. Yeah, because you're a child, right? It's like yeah, exactly. You know, don't come at me. I was I was a child. I, I that's it was a child a decision. Sometimes I wonder why I'm a Sens fan when things go bad. But uh, I am at, at my core as, a, as someone who grew up in this area who never thought in a million years the, the NHL would ever come to my hometown. I'm I'm still you know till the day I die I'm going to be a Sens fan or, or when they leave one of the two. That's not going to happen, but I, ne- I, n- I never say never that with this, this team, it's been such a, uh, as we end, you know, getting close to the end of the year, uh, and Ian Mendez had a great article on this, uh, like what a chaotic 2023 yeah. has been for this Ottawa Senators franchise. You, you, Mr. Melnick passed away like a year and a half ago, and we all blamed a lot of the volatility and the craziness on his managerial style on his behavior, on his, uh, like I say, volatility. And he's been gone for a year and a half, and yet this past year might be the most chaotic in franchise history. <laughs> wow. That's in the discussion. Yeah, but, the, well, there was no uh, Uber. Uh, there was no uh, baby clothes. <laughs> um I don't know. It, was, it, 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 it no. It wasn't as bad. I don't even know what year that was, but it wasn't as bad as that year. What was the baby clothes story? 
Oh, the, the senators had some sort of baby clothes out that turned out that they were not uh, they were not fire retardant, or, oh. which was very. They, they were either a choking hazard or they could catch on fire. You don't remember that part? That happened yes. that year too. Yeah, that yeah. was in the same year as the the Uber and the. Oh, yeah, that was that was the worst year by far. Crap going on yeah. that year. Yeah, that definitely rings a bell now that you mention it. I'd forgotten about that one, but uh, but it has been. A, it's in the discussion though. Maybe yeah, it's not yeah. the number one most chaotic year. We just expected that with the sale happening, uh, we all th- thought, okay, smooth waters ahead. And I still think that it just didn't happen yet in 2023. I think they're on the way, though. To me, Greg, what what should happen here now in the rest of the season, despite our you know wheel of fortune there and the uh, number being over 12% still for the Sands, it could still happen. The playoffs could still happen. But really, I think this year is about Steve Steos and Jacques Martin, the two of them together with an unbiased, honest view of what exactly this freaking roster is, is composed of. What, what exactly is there? And, and to be able to look at it and say, which of these players on this roster can I trust to help build a Stanley Cup contender? Which of these guys can I not trust and make your moves accordingly? As opposed to what's happened in the past, where the guy who's making all the decisions about the roster, you know, he's he's got a guillotine over his head. He's got the pressure of like wanting these draft picks, these trades, um, all these things to work out um, and giving them more rope than maybe they should be afforded. DJ Smith included. Now you've got two people overseeing this franchise, Jacques Martin on the ice and Steve Steos off the ice, not to mention Ryan Bonus, where you go, okay, we can take a, a real unbiased look at things, and between now and the end of the season, we can figure out what's up and 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 make some really really good solid decisions here. It sucks because it's not what we wanted as fans as viewers. This is not the kind of season that we wanted. But the positive here is that that the. Basically, you've got people now who are looking for stability. They want to stabilize the franchise, stabilize the roster for long term. These guys are going to decide what's the core, what's not the core, who are supporting players and, and kind of build around what, whatever they deemed the core will be. That's where decisions have to be made. Obviously, Tarasenko, Kubalik, they're the obvious becoming free agents, but you're a year away from making a decision on Jacob Chikrin. There's, there's other decisions to be made with certain players, one, one overseas right now, but it's not what we wanted. But you know what? We can cut them a little bit of slack because these guys are here. They're going to watch and observe everything. And as you said, unbiased, they didn't draft any of these players. They have no connection to any of these players other than they signed their paychecks. So they can, they can really look at it unvarnished and decide who's in the core here. Who's a, who's a, what kind of positions can we build around and what kind of moves can be made? And, and there's going to be, make no mistake. There'll be some changes here before this season's out as far as personnel is concerned. By the way, I want to congratulate George Valenzuela, good listener to the program, who was our winner of the Dunrobin Distilleries Seven Seals Whiskey Draw. We gave away a gift box uh, with a couple of bottles in it, a nice whiskey glass as well. And uh, yeah, it was really well received on Twitter. I got to say, lots of people interested in it and uh, and entered the draw via Twitter or X. I got to call it X. That's weird. To me, Twitter.com like though. Yeah, well, is it? Yes. You can't go to X.com? Well, maybe you can, but I, I still, it's bookmarked on my page is twitter.com. It comes up and says twitter.com. 
Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, <laughs> it, it I've I found it weird. Like, cause like, you know, I'm on X. To me, that always meant you're on like some recreational drug. X was always the the nickname for ecstasy. And now to uh, tell people, yeah, I was just on X. What? Anyway, I'm off track. Um, thank you to the folks at Dunrobin Distilleries and uh, Seven Seals Whiskey for uh, the donation of that prize. And uh, congratulations to George on winning her. You mentioned earlier in the show, changing gears. The whole Toronto broadcast thing, it, it was, it's always an issue when the Battle of Ontario happens. And how cool would, would that be for, you know, for Jacques Martin, just going aside here for a second, for Jacques Martin, almost 20 years after he was in Game 7, Joe Newendike, two terrible goals. Like you'd always say, soft as church music. Uh, two terrible goals on Patrick Lalim, and they lose that game 4-1. to one. That would be the last time Jacques Martin would step foot in the Battle of Ontario. And and there's a guy, I think, at 71. He's probably not even thinking he's got a prayer of coaching in the NHL again, like if you go back six months. And here he is, back in it, back in the Battle of Ontario here in 2023. That'd be almost surreal, wouldn't it? That'd be pretty cool, right? And and yeah. and to have a game at Maple Leaf Gardens and to come from behind and win it too. That's that's he doesn't have a big ego, right? He's not one of those types of guys. But uh, I'm pretty sure he was smiling like a butcher's dog on the inside after that. That was a pretty exciting exciting comeback win. But but to talk yeah. about the broadcast, like come on, aren't we fed up with these guys? Well, yeah, I think so. And uh, you know, the one last thing I wanted to say about Jacques Martin was when he was asked about. 2004 and the 0 for 4 run four losses to the Leafs in the playoffs in five years he actually said and I really respected him for saying this because pro sports is filled with egos and and guys who are you know look at me and all that he actually said publicly that I felt like I let the organization down back then like how many coaches would say something like that and I had respect for it I mean some people will say you're presenting yourself in a position of weakness when you say things like that. You're making yourself look weak. I respected it because so much of the world is all about, you know, I can do no wrong. I'm the man and blah, 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 blah. And, and that's, I, I, I found that really f- refreshing from Jacques Martin. That's the type of guy he is. Yep. The type of man he is. Uh, and yep, uh, fully and respected across the league. You heard the Mike yep. Sullivan comments about Jacques yeah. Martin from Pittsburgh. Like, wow. That's that's heaping a lot of praise on a guy. My, I saw those comments. I was uh, I, I respected them and all that and everything. And obviously, Mike Sullivan, great coach, two time Cup winner. But my my immediate thought was, uh, why'd you fire him then? <laughs> You're there still, and he's not. Anyway, maybe it wasn't his decision. Maybe it was the GM. Uh, sometimes GMs will do that. I don't know what it looks like. Anyway, uh, back to the original point. A lot of sidelines here today. A lot of uh, sidetracking. Uh, and why not? It's the holidays. Um, yeah, the the. The leaf thing, we all understand that it's a business. You're doing this thing to make money. And the Leafs, that's where even the national broadcasters, of course, it's the regional in every market if they're going to you know affiliate with their local team. But on the national broadcasts, even, they're going to cater to Leaf fans because that's obviously the massive proportion of their audience, like a pittance are, are Ottawa fans watching that game compared to Toronto. But still, you got to at least make an effort. And my timeline was absolutely filled up after that game on Wednesday night in Toronto. 
where the Sens win four to two. Like it was almost like, oh, they're the Senators were really fortunate to you know be on the same ice surface as the great Toronto Maple Leafs. The sport Sportsnet panel even threw it out there that the host, uh, at least Caroline Cameron, she threw it out there like, uh, did did the Sens really win this game? Or was it the Leafs losing this game? And I love that Elliot Friedman was having none of that, giving full credit to the Senators. I, I mean, it's it's always bad, I guess, is my point, but it seemed particularly bad on Wednesday. Oh, it was horrible. Horrible. It just, I just, I don't understand why you can't do a little bit of research and and know a little bit more about the opposition. Like that's that's, and it's not just the Senators. It doesn't matter who the Leafs are playing. I'm sure that if I were a, a Phoenix Coyotes fan and and uh, they came into town and I was watching the Leaf game, I'd have the same feelings. They just they couldn't be bothered with learning enough. How many times do you have to hear them talk about Brady? It's Brady, 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 Brady. Every time it's a, there's a pregame interview at the bench, it's Brady. Occasionally they'll slip in a Claude Giroux. Very rarely does anybody else get any play. Eh, well, maybe Brady's the only one that deserves it, but I disagree. I just think that there's more that they could be doing as far as featuring the opposition team. And I, I was struck by that that standard response. I read the Toronto Sun. The Toronto Sun post game headline was uh, Maple Leafs come up small in loss to Senators, blow two goal lead. The Ottawa Sun headline. Was Drake Batherson, Drake Batherson leads the way in Senator's victory in Battle of Ontario. Just the, the different way that you can look at things. And I agree with you that really Elliot Friedman was the only one that seemed to give the Senators any respect. I have no time for, is it Luke Gazdick? I, I got no time for that guy. Carolyn is okay. Sam Cosentino is great when he's doing junior stuff and give you scouting reports and he knows major junior. He knows prospect pool. But I just find that most nights you don't get their number one crew. You don't get their best people. If you're watching the Senators on TSN, we seem to have a rotating door. It's not always Jamie McLennan, right? Sometimes you get a Mike Johnson. I love Mike Johnson. I wish you got more Mike Johnson. Some nights you get Dave Poulin. But you can bet when it's a Leaf game, it's the same guys every single game. They don't switch things there. And the other one is last week when the Senators were off playing their five-game road swing, one of the games, they don't even send a host, right? There wasn't even a crew there. There wasn't even a crew in the studio either. It was like they were too busy to have somebody in the studio. It was all uh, uh, James, and I, I'm always one. Uh, uh, what's James' last name? Because you oh. know what I want to call him. On oh, the play-by-play guy from Ottawa, former Team 1200 guy. Oh, oh um, John Abbott? John Abbott, sorry, John Abbott. It, it, it was basically left up to Johnny to play host. They didn't even have anybody in the studio for the for the road games. Like nobody's there. Nobody's. We don't bring anybody into the studio. That's a TSN game. Uh, you can bet that on the Leaf game on TSN, you got a panel there. You got Duffy there. You got uh, the old dog there. You've got one of the insiders there. It's just things. They're they're, they're treated as second class citizens by both networks, by any newspaper, by anywhere, but. Let's not get carried away. They're not the only team. Pretty much any team the least play get treated the same way. Yeah. I have all kinds of time for Johnny Abbott. He's uh yeah. He's certainly one of the good ones in the industry. Uh if I was to ever compare someone a good deal younger uh to Doc Emmerich, it might be Johnny Abbott. I mean, he's got a long way to go, obviously, to fill his shoes, but in terms of the person that he is, 
the gentleman that he is uh, and, and what I hear about Doc Emmerich. I don't know Doc personally, but everybody loves that guy, the longtime NBC play-by-play guy. Um, I think he might be on that sort of same path and that um, I think he's, uh, like I say, just a genuinely good person. Just a side story. Um, Tim Kilpatrick, uh, for those who remember the old TSN 1200 days on Tigor, Buzz, as he was more popularly known, he was a host on the morning show and, and he passed away. Um, like in his prime, like he was, I think he was 45 years old, something like that. Um, John Abbott was like, like totally, and he knew him from London days. Uh, they worked in radio together in the past, but he's the youngest guy on our staff. And there's some, there's some bigger people in the staff and I won't name names or anything that just washed their hands of it. And, you know, but a bunch of us got together at my house and, and, and toasted to buzz and, um, and John Abbott was the ringleader of the thing, you know, considerably younger than me and a number of other staff members. And he was the guy with all the poise. He was the guy that said all the right things at the right time. And so I got a lot of time for John Abbott mm-hmm. sideline story to close out the show there. Um, I think we've covered everything. Was there anything else you, you, you would, uh, uh, what was the thing you well, I went off on a rant there? I ate up too much time ranting. Sorry. That's all good. That's all good. I, should, I think we I can should. close it right there. Um, <laughs> I can tell you this, I will give a tip of the cap to, and I know it'll sound biased, but it is what it is. I'm not going to, I believe this, but at the hockey news, the Toronto Maple Leafs site, um, thn.com slash Toronto, uh, David Alter runs that. And uh, I thought they handled the whole Battle of Ontario thing very respectfully. Of course, you know, they're, they know the Leafs best, but uh, there was tons of respect given to the Sens for their performance in the game on Wednesday night. So um, here, here. That, will lead in, that will lead into the plug for uh, as the site editor of the Sens site for the Hockey News, uh, a plug for it, thn.com slash Ottawa. Got lots of writers now. Alex Adams is help, helping out uh, with contributions, and uh, he's, he's at the rink now. Uh, we've got Pat McGuire. We've got Andrew Stein. We've got Greg Kennedy once in a while with his uh, regular Friday column that I haven't seen in so long now. But uh, See how he wrote a book? How he's got a book out. Did you know that? Howie Mooney? Yeah. I know yes, he Howie, doesn't, he, Howie doesn't write he, for me anymore, but but he used to write on on our uh, on our Facebook page, did he not? Yep. For this on the website, yeah. How how he's got a book out? Good for him. Yep, crazy days and wild nights. Forgive me, but uh, yeah, if Part you just two. Google, yeah, exactly. Um, if you just Google Howie Mooney's name and something along those lines, crazy days, wild nights, and so best of luck to Howie, my old play by play color guy from the Ottawa Lynx 1995 International League Championship. That was a, that's always going to be kind of a connection for us uh, from back in the day. Uh, but with that, we'll call it quits. Uh, again, don't forget that our website is sensnationhockey.com, but the big voice will tell you all about that here in a second. Uh, we'll probably try and get one more show in before New Year's, but uh, we'll call it quits there. Greg, happy holidays to you, sir. Enjoy your run of Fargo binging, and we shall talk to you in our next episode. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers, or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.